0: As we as we spend time as a church, as a community, as individuals in the, in the Gospel of Mark, this, this leading to Easter, I really ask, really would, want to encourage you guys to, to, to take part in this with that anticipation that God would reveal himself afresh to us as individuals, but also as a community. This is the purpose why we're doing the, the, the Gospel of Mark leading to, to Easter. Because I'd love for myself and for you guys to have this fresh revelation of who Jesus is and what he can do in the 21st century. When... You ask around people saying, you know, what do you make of Jesus? Or if you look at, at different ways that they've portrayed him in pictures and stuff, it's very interesting, fascinating how, how different people deal with, with, with Jesus in, in, in a different way. And how their perception is of Jesus in, in their own personalized way. And one of the things that this question that Jesus is asking today to the disciples we're, being, we're dealing with is, is really challenging that personalization of who God is in different spheres. I'm just paving the road today because we're going to be dealing with this in the next three Sundays. I was not supposed to preach this Sunday, but um, it's okay. I love doing it, so I don't mind. So today we're just going to pave the way. Just going to give you the context of where this question is coming from, and also give a little bit of the, the context of where this question was asked. If you look at the chapters leading to chapter 8, Mark's gospel is is a short gospel, it's only 16 chapters, but it is quite intense. Sorry, what others try to to describe with with bigger pictures and stuff in the Gospels. Mark is very careful in choosing his words and he'll say stuff in two sentences, and the whole thing of the feeding of the five thousands in John John chapter 6 is described with three or four verses in Mark chapter 6 so so we've got a lot to learn from that but let's let's set off the scenario where they, these guys are so mark is trying to tell us that this is the good news of jesus and this is how it's working out so we've got mark chapter 1 when it talks about the affirmation of jesus's ministry and we've got mark chapter 2 when it sets off the whole compass of what jesus has You know, come to do. It talks about his authority, it talks about his teaching, it talks about his ministry, it talks about what it looks like in real life. So in chapter 2, he asks the questions What what is it easier to say? Your sins are forgiven to the paralytic men, or pick up your mat and go home? Which leaves the Pharisees. With really no answer, so 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 Mark is trying to to, to pick up momentum now and has, has picked up a lot of things on the way until chapter six, where one of the main characters of the Gospel of Mark is moved out of the scene, John the Baptist, and Mark doesn't spend a lot of time there either. But he makes sure that this is something that is part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And sometimes it's not what we want it to be. So John the Baptist is killed, but the ministry of Jesus carries on. And again, that is going to end up as something that is really excruciating like the cross. In chapter 7, there is this continuous conversation with the Pharisees. you see it in the Gospel. There is this continuous conversation with the disciples. And there are things here that happen, you know, even in the light of people that are considered, you know, worldly and not Jewish. The Syrian Phoenician woman and her faith and all those things. They're all becoming part of this big thing. God's big economy of reaching the world with the good news and this is what it looks like and then we've got the feeding of the 5,000 and we'll goes to the Mark as well there is a feeding of the 4,000 the feeding of the 5,000 ends up with 12 basket full the feeding of the 4,000 ends up with seven bigger baskets but they are also full of the remaining. And then, sense of the tone for the conversation where Jesus is with the disciples in a boat with one loaf of bread. And he says, be careful of the yeast of the Pharisees. When these guys have encountered Christ, They've come with their baggage. So I'm talking about the Jews, I'm talking about the Pharisees, I'm talking the disciples. So when, when, when Jews are experiencing what Jesus is doing and their fulfillment of the Messiah, because that's what Jesus said he was, they have not perceived that this Messiah is not going to be a political Messiah that is going to rescue them from the hands of the Roman Empire. That's what they wanted. So we want to deal with God, but we want to deal with God in the way that we wanted to deal with God, not in the way that God is wanting to reveal His story of salvation with His people. The Pharisees, have personalized God in a different way. They've decided that the only way that you can deal with God, you can walk with God, is by putting certain structures and rules and rituals. And you make sure that you keep all those things because that's the outworking of you pleasing God. So 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 you're working out from a place of fear From a place of actually not so sure where you stand with this. And then you've got the disciples who in chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 5 I think as well when he calls the twelve, Jesus is finding them in their own settings, whatever they are doing. Whether fishermen, whether tax collectors, whether doctors, whatever. And he says, leave everything that you've got there and follow me. And again, for them to experience Jesus in the first hand is is a shock. So, with all those things in mind, we come to chapter 8. And Jesus is wanting to reveal something about himself. Because he sees, he notices that all these people groups that we've been talking about are missing out on who Jesus is, his disciples are missing out. And they're, they're, they're sick. That's why we've got in, in uh, chapter 8 the healing of the blind man and the savior. And the way that he's healed is with two stages. First of all, his, his, his sight is blurry. And then his sight comes fully. This is the pinpoint to see what Jesus is is telling the disciples. Come on, you've got a blurry sight of who I am. Yes, I know that the Pharisees are totally against me, but you guys have been here with me for so much time. And although you've been with me, your sight of who I am is quite blurry. And that's why I'm gonna let the bomb and ask the question who do people say I am? And then the disciples told that they got away with it by saying, by representing what the people were saying. And Jesus says, No, I wanted to make it more personal. Who do you say? And this is, this is the, 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 the two questions that we're going to be dealing as with we, as we look into Easter. Who do people say, I am? What is the personalized version of people about who Jesus is? What do you say to that? And who is real Jesus? How he's revealed to us in the scriptures. <laughs> All this conversation, funny enough, was happening in a place called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was an ancient city which was the. it couldn't be any better place where pantheism existed the worshipping of many gods. So this was in the northern Israel and the whole city was basically the symbolism of cultic worship. Now, if you remember from the Old Testament, Baal worship. So God God Baal was worshipped here. He had a temple here. So for all those people that could identify with Baal, yeah, Caesarea Philippi. The other thing that was worshipped here was that under the Greek invasion and the influence, they introduced this new god, which was god Pan. And god Pan was god of nature of music and, and of hunting and they believed that one of the caves where the river Jordan comes from, there was the cave where this god Pan came out. So again, for those people who could identify with Pan, Caesarea was the place to be. And then comes the Roman Empire. The Roman Empire comes with its own influences. And what happens here, the Romans start using this as a place of worship. This is where, actually, Herod the Great builds a temple in the honour of Caesar. And then his son, Philip builds another temple in an honour of another Caesar. Caesar Tiberius. And that's why we've got the name of we've got the name, the, whatever it's called here, it's the Caesarea, Caesarea Philippi, but also Pancia is another name. So if you look at the historical things about this. So, of all places... Jesus lands the bomb here. And how, how appropriate is this for a day and age of our culture when we really think, well, oh, everything is okay, in the end of the day, always leads to, to heaven. Because this is the conversation that we face. And I think this is the conversation that these guys were facing in the time of Jesus. Caesar is Lord. Pan is God. These other guys have got their own gods. Why not? Welcome to Caesarea. This is the place where we're all open minded about dealing with God. This is the place where we've got the the, 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 the pride. We take pride. And I'm, I'm going to show a little bit about that because I take pride. I don't, but uh, we take pride in this tolerance that we've got about religion. This is the, what happens in Albania. You know, you've got four five main religions. And one of the things we, what, what we take pride of in Albania is the way that we're tolerant about other religions. But when it comes to having a conversation, we can never have a conversation, but we're tolerant. And Jesus is not addressing here tolerance, but he is pointing here something which is very crucial for the sight of his disciples to be clear in it. Who do people say that I am? A valid question. And the disciples come up very quickly with the answers. Because, again, for them, disciples are going to represent the Jews. They're good Jewish boys. They're not going to be talking about other gods. They've got very strict rules. They're going to talk about stuff that is really interesting to them and is part of their identity and culture. And what they're going to talk about is about Elijah, about Jeremiah, about John the Baptist. These are the things that are very close to their hearts. The answer is not right. They are not giving the right answer. I cannot say it is a wrong answer, but people have not understood yet who Jesus is. The disciples themselves, apart from Peter that we will see here, but then we will have to see later on, have not understood yet that what does it mean for Jesus to be the Messiah. If I was to ask you the question, this morning, if I was to ask myself the same question that Jesus asked his disciples, what would my immediate reaction be? Perhaps we will be on the same page with the disciples. People are making of Jesus what they want him to be. People are wanting Jesus to be the personal kind of Jesus. Perhaps sometimes very close to what the Scriptures are revealing, but sometimes very far away removed from the truth of what God has revealed to us about Jesus and the Scriptures. If you were to ask, ask this question... What would you be some of the reactions that we think that people think Jesus is? Come on. Prophet? Prophet? A good man. A good man. That's a good answer. <laughs> a miracle worker. But a, a miracle worker, thank you. A teacher. A teacher. A rebel a rabbi. Rabbi? A carpenter. Carpenter? Anarchist? <coughs> what would people say in the twenty first century in Bristol if we were to ask them about who Jesus is? Probably. Troublemaker. Troublemaker. A myth. Sorry. A myth. A myth. Story that you only share with the kindergarten and children. We're going to stop here. We're going to stop here for the reason that this question is very close to everyone's heart because none of us is exempt of personalizing Jesus. And we're going to work on that together in the coming weeks. But I want for each and every one of you today to leave this room leave this place with an expectation that Jesus reveals himself afresh to you. Apart from what you know about him. And you may be in a very early start with your walk with Jesus or you may be towards the end. I don't know. I don't read minds. But I want you to take a moment <clears throat> to Think, Lord, all of my assumptions and my presumptions and my understanding and my personalization of you, I'll put it at the cross. Reveal yourself afresh to me. Because you are bigger than what I have made you. Here we come, Lord, as people in need of Jesus, as people who have misunderstood, as people, Lord, who love you dearly, and we want that fresh revelation of who you are. So Lord, through the power of your Spirit, would you rescue us from ourselves and reveal yourself yourself afresh to us, Lord. As we spend time with your Word, as we spend time in prayer, Lord Jesus, help us to get to know you and your heart better. Thank you for being at work in our midst. Lord, thank you that you are so faithful. And your word says you are the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. Help us not to miss out on what Jesus is about to reveal to us. in our love, so we can grow in our passion, so we can grow, Lord, in our proclamation of who you are. And we ask all these things in the mighty name of Jesus, our Lord and our Saviour. Amen.